Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Johnny. And we're a show bringing actual tips and strategies on how to supercharge your social skills and turn that small talk into smart talk, surrounding yourself with an army of high-status individuals, and of course, unlocking your hidden charisma to crush it in business, love, and life. Now, we have some new listeners to the show this year, and we're excited to give you a warm welcome and a little bit more about what we do here at The Art of Charm. Well, let's put our values together so everyone can vibe about what we're doing around here. And number one, it is we always go above and beyond. And that's because we care about transformation and understand that it's a lifelong journey. We stay true to our authentic selves. Because being fake isn't our style, and that's not what you're going to hear here. On this show, we create our own destiny. Because we don't believe in fate. And we love and believe something magical happens when science meets creativity. We leave those limiting beliefs and behaviors behind for a world of possibilities, and suddenly everything makes sense. Now imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and of course, tough lessons into a concise curriculum each and every week. That's what we do here on the show. And we're really excited today. We have a very interesting guest that some of you may know as Daddy Issues Online. We'd like to welcome Violet Benson to the show. She's grown a massive following herself, and you've probably seen your friends, family, significant others, or fiance, in my case, sharing some of her hilarious posts. She has over 4 million followers on her Instagram account alone, and her weekly podcast, Too Tired to Be Crazy, launched almost a year ago, focusing on self-love and female empowerment. Now, we're super excited to talk to her about how her former life as an accountant changed when she made that first famous Instagram post launching Daddy Issues. Welcome to the show, Violet. It's great to have you. First question we got to ask is what made you start a meme account? What made me want to start a meme account was because I was actually an accountant five years ago. I was in public accounting, so that's really tough. And I really wanted to be a partner. That was my goal. I didn't even care for social media. I actually deleted all my social media platforms when my boyfriend and I broke up because he was posting a lot of pictures with a new girl and it was breaking my heart. And I was like, I fucking hate social media. <laughs> so I just deleted everything. And I was just tired of looking at his stupid face. So then I just pursued accounting and I would show up in the morning at 6 a.m. and I would leave at like 11 p.m. because they said if you want to become a partner or if you want to impress the boss, you have to show up before he comes into work and leave after he leaves. And that was my goal. And I was just, you know, regular junior accountant. That's what I was doing. Unfortunately, the team that I was on, the partner was sometimes maybe giving me special attention in a way because I was going after it. Like I would get on projects where I would work with the senior partner, uh, with the senior managers and with the partners. And anyone that works in public accounting, they know that that's kind of impossible. Usually it's only the highest people you can work with are managers, are senior accountants or managers. And I was getting on projects with senior managers and partners, but that's because I've always been incredibly like motivated and that's just who I am as a person. Um, but anyway, it started to upset some of the women on my team and they kind of started to isolate me and make my life a living hell to the point that I would like usually part of my morning routine would be to cry in my car before I walk into work. So I would like sit in my car, cry about my day and then walk into work. And I'm not kidding. Like they would not hate 
hide their hate from me. Like I remember one day after I finished crying, I went into the bathroom and I was, I sat in the bathroom and gave myself a little pep talk to go into work. And then two women from my team walk in and they're having a conversation about me. So I have to stay in the bathroom and they're just like having a conversation about how like annoying I am or something. Then they got at the bathroom. I'm kind of upset. As I walk out, one of them accidentally bumps into me and spills her coffee all over my shirt. And then I have to go back in my car, change. I go back into work. And then one of them is like, Violetta, you're late. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to write that in your like notes or whatever. So like, that was kind of my experience. It was, it feels funny now, but it wasn't funny right. then. No. And well, I, we've talked about this on the show with some of our guests. I feel like a lot of women actually tear mm -hmm. other women down in those settings yeah, and don't actually help support someone who's growing up in, or, in or, a corporate environment. Yeah. I would say for guys, we mostly, it's like, well, fuck that guy. I'm just going to compete my ass off and, and be right. Right. But yeah. It frustrates me. And I feel like I've had these <clears throat> conversations before with other women or, and I think maybe with, with the, my partners, because it frustrates me when women try to tear each other down the workplace just to, to make it further. When in reality, men would just laugh it off, like, you mm -hmm. know, high five each other and they keep working. And that's one of the reasons actually the partner and I would work so well. Sometimes he would send me back some of my notes and I literally could cry in that moment. He was like, what the fuck is this? Are you serious with this shit? Like, how, why did I even hire you? Like that would be some of the notes. And it was okay. Cause that's public accounting. Mm -hmm. It's painful. I would look at it and I'd be like, okay, V finish this project. You can cry later in the bathroom in two hours. I would like schedule it. I kept working through it. We finished the project. I cry about it. Then I go to my partner and I'm like, Hey, I didn't love this. Can we have a discussion? Like that was how I worked. That was how my brain works with women. In my, in my job, from my experience, it's like you look at them. One of the girls, one of the managers, I look at her the wrong way. That's it. For the next year, she will not give me any projects. I'm done. And she's going to make sure my, because with public accounting is you have to make a certain amount of hours a month. And then they um, grade you and they rate you. And you're basically, so if you don't get enough hours every month, eventually you get on probation and then you get fired. So it's like really serious stuff. So if the managers don't like me, because some of the females don't like me, they're going to fuck up my hours. And they fuck my hours. They're going to fuck up my promotion. And they're going to put me on probation. I'm going to get fired. So it's not fun. So anyway, they're making my life kind of miserable. And it got to the point that I started to get really, really depressed. And I started to realize in my brain that I may never become a partner with how it's going so far because I'm not getting enough work and all this stuff. And no one's hearing me when I'm getting upset. So I was giving up. And that's kind of where Instagram came about. It was because somebody sent me some meme before of the fat Jewish. And I looked up his Instagram and I was like, wow, that's so cool how... Um, he gets to just post funny things. That's so my sense of humor. And it's just his sense of humor. It has nothing to do with his looks because I forgot to mention one of the reasons some of the women in my work were not that kind to me had to also do with the way I looked. So, but it didn't matter how like I would even make sure my skirts were super long. My, my clothes were loose. I wore no makeup. And it still would be some gossip about like why some of the men are nicer to me. Because I happen to be a really tall blonde with double D, triple D's actually. <laughs> Good for me. When I was younger, I was actually really awkward looking. So I find, and people bullied me for the way I look because I wasn't cute. And then I finally grew into my looks. And now I'm being judged about the way I look versus my work ethic. <laughs> but one thing to understand me better with my work ethic is I'm from Russia. I was raised in Israel. And then we won the green card lottery and moved to the U.S. And my father always told my sister and I, he said, listen, 
When you grow up, one day your looks are going to fade and you will not be this beautiful anymore. And your husband is going to cheat on you and leave you. And all you're going to be left with is your education and your brain. So if you don't start working hard now, you will have nothing when you're older. Hans' daddy issues, he was very cold, but he was very, he was very honest. Anyway, yeah. Watching Fat Jewish as a kid. I saw the Fat Jewish. I was envious of the fact that he's able to just be himself without anyone judging him. And that's kind of where Daddy Issues came from. I never started Daddy Issues because I was like, oh, it's going to help me be famous. I didn't even know you can make any type of revenue from Instagram. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. 
that's why I created an account called Daddy Issues. I put no thought into the name. I was like, I have daddy issues. I'm pretty sure every girl in this world has daddy issues, especially in LA. If they don't have a daddy issues, they have sugar daddy issues, something like that. So that's why I created it. And then I just started to post memes because I feel like because I was already foreign, I felt really like out of place. I didn't fit in. And then again, in accounting, I really wanted to fit in and like I didn't fit in. So I think I was really lost and didn't know who I was. So when I was starting to post these memes for fun, it was just like me not being sure who I am. And then because of my type of work ethic and the, who I am as a person that I'm incredibly obsessive with things and I want to get somewhere, it kind of started to be my my escape from reality. So every night when I would finish uh, work, I would go home and for three hours I was like, okay, I'm going to go to all, to like two of my competitors, let's say Fuck Jerry and The Fat Jewish. I'm going to go through each one of theirs, a hundred of their followers, and I'm going to like like two pictures and comment on one of the pictures. Okay, I want celebrities to follow me. How do I get a celebrity to follow me? Okay, I'm going to go to a celebrity. I'm going to figure out who their quote regular friends are. I'm going to go on that person's Instagram, write some weird comment on their picture, and hopefully eventually they're going to tag their celebrity friend in one of my memes. And like that's what happened with Joe Jonas. After a few months, he was my first celebrity to follow me. So I was like, I'm going to follow like a group of friends and they're going to end up talking among themselves, like who Daddy Issues is, because Daddy Issues is a persona that I created. Mm-hmm. It was this girl that I really wanted to be. She was really confident and like aware, uh, understanding of her sexuality. And she had no problem like saying how things were. And I was like, she's so cool. I literally created a whole persona where I wrote about her and about her life because I didn't think I was her. And like, that's how it became like the word of mouth. And And then I started to like, to look at comments of, uh, of people who were tagging their friends and they'd be like, oh my God, her captions. And I was like, oh, my caption, it's like two words. Oh, okay, let me make it longer. Suddenly it's like a full sentence. Oh, they still like my captions. It's longer. Then I'm seeing like engagement. Okay, these posts are doing better. So that means people want me to talk more about maybe female sexuality. All right, let me delete these. I'm going to post more like that. So in a way, people don't get it. They created me. Like Daddy Issues was created because of the fans, not because I had this full-on idea and elaborate plan. That's how how I was becoming popular because every night I focus a lot on it and it was a lot of work behind it. And I was doing it for my own self-esteem because like I felt like I was nothing. And like seeing people tag, when I was watching girls tag their friends in my memes, I was like, oh my God, like I'm not alone. Like other people feel this way too. And then eventually... I was starting to understand who I was and then to see that it was making other people feel better about themselves. It was really cool. Obviously, starting an anonymous account, you have to make a decision to out yourself. And what went into that decision to step out front of that account and be like, hey, it's me letting your friends, family, coworkers know? Well, I think I've only been quote unquote out the past three years. And I've had that account for five years. Um, I think it, it got to the point where I finally felt so, A, I quit my job. So I'm finally full on daddy issues. I incorporated myself that same week because I used to be an accountant. <laughs> and then I think slowly I, when I kept posting, it didn't feel like it was my alter ego. Like it didn't feel like this cool so girl it anymore. Melded. It started to feel like it was me. And then when it started to feel like it was me, I was so happy and like to finally know who I was. It was like the first time in my whole life that I felt like I had like a purpose and like I knew who I was. So I really wanted to tell everyone like it was a no brainer. And I and I thought it was a good idea to put my face to the brand. And I think I'm not going to lie, like I start to get jealous when people start to say it was them because I was like, 
no, it's like, you don't have my sense of humor. It's me. Right. And so taking ownership was a part of it. Exactly. So then I, um, what happened was basically the first network or article, whatever to ever write about daddy issues that really helped me stand out was MTV. So because of that, I kind of stayed loyal to that. And I reached out to MTV and I was like, hey, I'm going to reveal who I am. Can you write about it? Right. And that's kind of how it happened. And honestly, if this happened now, no one would give a shit because meme accounts are so saturated. But back then, I managed to grow so quickly. And I am like a consider an OG account. I'm like an OG meme account, one of the biggest ones, even though I, I've only been doing the, I've been doing this less time than the other quote unquote OG accounts. But people don't get that, don't know so that. Just walk us through, obviously, the pushback, because we were kind of talking about this before the show. You are struggling to build this confidence. And as you melded, of course, people are seeing your account, your past posts, and now they're judging you off of it. You had this anonymity before. You were not that person. And now you're walking around and everyone knows, oh, you're the one that posted that meme. Yeah, I feel like annoying thing that suddenly I did. I feel like I did have to make things a little less sexual at one point when I first revealed my face. Like some of the sexual jokes I was making before, I couldn't make it. I got a lot of positive feedback when I quote unquote came out. But a lot of other girls were upset that I wasn't their nationality. Right, you know, Because they, they had they. an image of me or I wasn't. A lot of people were upset that I wasn't fatter for some reason. That was like a big thing. <laughs> They're upset that I wasn't heavier or uglier. And I understand. I like, I literally understand because they, I think one of the main reasons it was so important for me to be anonymous was because I was so sick of everyone constantly focusing on my looks, whether right. I was too ugly right. or too pretty now. And that's why when I found this meme account, it was just on who I am as a person trying to find myself. And that's what people fell in love with. And that's kind of the same thing. After they saw my face, you had no choice but to, now to fall in love with with me, like you had no choice but to love me now and my face because you already fall in love with who I am as a person. Because a lot of times we tend to judge people by the book, the cover or whatever. So it was hard with people judging me with like the sexual stuff, but I got over it. For social media, what I've been able to notice is the stronger you're able to capture what other people are feeling, the more they're going to share those images and those tweets and everything. And then for you to be able to do that, to touch them in, in such a place, of course, they're going to want to know more. Who is this person that makes me feel this way? And if you're speaking and empowering other women and lifting them up or letting them know that they're not alone, of course, they're going to want to know more. And it's interesting to me that that you were able to hold it off for as long as you did. And it probably definitely played into your, your favor. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the dating side because obviously it's gotta be pretty intimidating for some guys to see all these daddy issue memes (laughs) flying around and, and know that you're the one behind them. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like daddy issues definitely hindered my dating life for sure. I think it's always been like that. Like sometimes the more successful you are, the the harder it is to date. But just like A, it was hard. To, I feel like it was hard to date because it's intimidating to guys when I'm sometimes, not that I'm making fun of guys, but I'm making fun of sex stuff or stalking or whatever. So sometimes A, you can't tell if I'm, are you as crazy as the memes mm-hmm. on daddy issues and, or like. Well, right. And that's the thing. I mean, 
for us guys, we were laughing about this earlier. And as I was saying at the start of the show, we sort of encounter it when a female, a woman shares it with us. Like I'm not regularly following it, but then it'll get passed to me. My fiance's passed me memes. Her friends are sharing memes. So I'm seeing like a small snapshot. And typically those are the more like raunchy, the more out there, the more crazy. So you have this whole catalog of your thoughts and feelings fully documented out there in the world. I hate that. <laughs> no, it's that funny. Can play the gotcha game with. No, now that I'm thinking about it, this is what's so frustrating when it comes to dating is that first I had to get over that. Is it called the roadblock? Like a block? Um, yeah. I think I'm saying it wrong. Hurdle, roadblock. Stumbling block. Stumbling. Yeah. English is my third language. So sometimes okay. I forget it. So I feel like my biggest issue with dating was at first when I first came out was being overly sexually explicit and all that. Like, A, I started to feel unsafe, to be honest, because a lot of the stuff was so sexual at one point when I was posting that I didn't feel safe anymore to post anything that sexual because I didn't want men to think like, oh, she's asking for this. Exactly. Like, oh, she loves to get drunk and then she loves to like have anal or whatever. It's like, nope, don't. Not like I remember one time at a party because at one point I was dropping hints of who I was before I came out. So like I had these sneakers that it said daddy issues on them and like very tight fans who watch me on Snapchat would be able to tell by like my nail color or like my sneakers. I remember one time. So some people would sometimes figure it out. And it was really oh. cool for them, like usually females. But I remember one time I was at a party that I was anonymously hosting. Don't even ask. And someone, a guy, noticed my shoes. I didn't know that he noticed my shoes, but like I, I started to notice there was a guy following me. And like every room, this guy keeps going, and like it starts to get darker, and I'm, I'm alone at this party. And then his friends show up, and then him and his friends are following me now. And it, now it's like really late, and I want to go to my car, but like I'm starting. It got to the point they're following me, and I turn around and go, "Why the fuck do you keep following me?" And you're just like, "Oh, oh my god, I'm." I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Just, are, are you daddy issues? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, can't you just be normal and just ask me? Like, I thought you guys were going to rape me and gangbang me. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm like, do you understand how unsafe you guys made me feel? Like I'm a girl alone at a party and you guys are like six guys following, following me. Yeah. I literally thought I was going to get raped. And he was just They're like. Just huge fans. And they, they were. That's just so funny. And they were like, they couldn't even speak when they saw me. And I was just like. Damn, okay. <laughs> so they were intimidated. Yeah, so at first it was hard to date because people, I think guys sometimes thought I was like as crazy as my meme accounts or as sexual, all that. Like I'm not a quote-unquote good girl or, or whatever I'm looking for. Or they want to tell their friends that they hung out with me versus actually, they just want the characteristics to get to know me. Then I finally was like, okay, I'm going to rebrand myself. Now I have Violet Benson, which is me as a person, and it's separate. So Violet Benson is more PG-13, and it's more about helping women and empowering them. It's not about, like, being whatever daddy issues is. I thought that would help me. And I have a problem with dating because men are intimidated because I'm successful. So I was like, damn, I can't win. Like, what do you want from me? So with the, the different accounts and the different personalities, do you find yourself very fluid between them all or is one more of this is my sense of humor am i out there and violet benson is me as the person or is it all sort of back and forth i mean i think that part is definitely hard because i feel like at one point i started to lose myself in daddy issues i would imagine so and i do remember at one point sometimes i if i was in an argument with some with someone or i say something 
crude to someone a text because that's how daddy issues would act because sometimes she's and just it's funny to me and i would laugh after it mm-hmm. and then i started to notice that people were not reacting like it's funny they're like what like what the f is your problem <laughs> right on a meme <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah in a text, like, not as much. and i had to process in my brain like oh it's not funny to be like sometimes toxic or emotionally abusive like oh, okay and i had to kind of separate myself because suddenly i was like shit i'm too i'm too daddy issues like i don't even know who i am and a lot of people get lost in whatever internet characters they play because it's like it's literally like I'm playing in a movie and eventually like actors happen to them where they get lost in their um, whatever, whoever they're, they're playing. And sure. the fans are expecting a certain yeah. persona from you that you have to live up to. No. Yeah. So it got to the point that sometimes when I would meet people, my brain automatically would be like, OK, who do they want me to be? So I didn't know how to act. I was just. Do you think if you were in a happy, healthy relationship right now and you're just posting about how much you were in love that your fans would be upset or would they be happy? No, I think, I think my fans actually want me to finally get in a relationship. Like I think, because my fans are growing with me. So a lot of them are probably like already in relationships now or soon going to have kids or whatever. Like I, I'm not going to like, I can't wait to get pregnant. I'll just be <laughs> putting it out there. Not today. Yeah, it's not but like, the show. But like, but like next year, like, yeah, definitely that, that's in my thoughts. And I know I will continuously rebrand myself. And then if I'm making jokes, then it'll be jokes about dating. Then it's jokes about being a parent. Like, it's okay so if I'm going to lose some followers. Evolving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do memes for the rest of my life. I don't. Well, I not just not. memes, but that that tone of. Well, like, my brand already involved when I started Viola Benson, like my second my secondary Instagram, which was like the past year, year and a half. And then I started my podcast. My podcast is literally everyone. Some people were disappointed because it wasn't always about sex. It was it's literally about like how to deal, like how to heal, like steps to get through depression or like how to get over a boy, like how to heal yourself, like how to love yourself. It's more like things like that. Let's talk about that because we have some listener questions to get through. And we actually got a question here. Now, this is a question from Steve, but he's asking exactly that. Longtime listener and fan. I listen to your show and I think it's amazing. My question is about confidence, but also dating. After investing so much time and effort into one girl, I was pursuing only to be let on and hurt. How can I move on? I haven't been in touch and don't plan on reconnecting, but I want to learn how to move on and become a better me for tomorrow. What would you do or how would you go about it? Well, I can totally relate to this. His name is Steve. Yeah. Well, Steve, I can totally relate to this. I feel like I always lose myself in a person when I'm dating them. And then I always feel so disappointed and let down when I when it's when it's over. And I always and it's completely normal to think, okay, what did I do wrong? And you completely lose yourself. So then you suddenly don't even know who you are. And that's usually when you have to go back to being yourself. So A, I think you have to accept the fact that it's over and you have to accept the fact that you didn't do anything wrong. You you guys were just not right for each other. And eventually you're going to look back and you're going to realize that this girl probably didn't deserve you, especially he said that he felt like he did everything that he yeah. could. So I think once he stops blaming himself, why it didn't work out and, st- and takes her off a pedestal because he obviously put her up on a pedestal. Yeah he'll realize that like there's so many other people out there and working on himself means that he's not going to be stalking her and that he's going to continue to be like a positive person. He's going to attract that energy and he's going to eventually, when he feels ready, find people that are right for him and they're going to put just as much effort. But actually, it's funny because yesterday I was giving advice on my um, podcast. It was like, it was a a dating, it's an advice episode, solo solo episode. And that was one of the answers. That was like a similar question. And I was saying this one girl said, well, 
the past five guys that I tried to date, they all ended up being like, I don't know if she said toxic or they all end up ghosting me, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like, why is it so hard to date? And I go, well, honestly, maybe it's you. Not in a way that she's doing something wrong, but in a way you're attracting the wrong people because now it's becoming a pattern. So after a while, you have to open your eyes and like, okay, well, if every person I'm attracting is toxic or like every person I'm attracting will always leaves me and doesn't love me, maybe I'm attracting these people because there's something in me that I'm not seeing. So like, for example, last year I was dating younger guys and I realized it was probably because I didn't feel ready for a relationship. So then I was going for younger guys because I, I think in the back of my head, I knew it wouldn't be anything serious. So I think once you look inside yourself and you understand who you are and why you're looking for the specific people you're looking for and you work on yourself, then you're going to attract like a healthy person once you're healthy. Healthy people attract healthy people. And I think being reflective is incredibly valuable in this situation, but not exactly that. Giving this one person so much power. It's a pattern when it's five or six people. Oh, yeah. But one person doesn't really say that much about you. Creating some space. We love recommending travel, just going on a trip, getting out of that environment, <clears throat> getting away from the stimulus that makes you think of that person. And you're already on the right path because you're looking to become better. And that's how you're going to find that better person by working on yourself. So I think he's already halfway there. We have one here from. Well, I just want to add to that. The other, the other point to that that needs to be discussed is the time it takes to get over someone. There's a healing process that you cannot rush. You can't skip over. You can't drink your way through it. We'd like to think we can, but it doesn't happen that way. As smart as we like to think we are, when it comes to our own human behaviors and patterns, they need to run their course and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And so it's a healing process and you have to be patient. But one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be smiling. And No, I agree. That's so true. I remember with my first boyfriend, I literally thought I was dying. Like, this is it. Like, we're together forever. And then every night before I went to sleep, I first I kept saying, I'm going to get over his name was John. Oh, I hate that. I'm just mad. But his name was John. I was like, I'm going to get over John. I'm going. And every night when I went to sleep, I said that. And then I started to say, I'm over John. And then one day I woke up and I was over John. But like every night I kept telling that to myself. So I agree with you that healing is important. It's you- okay to hold on. Sign? I'm Scorpio. I told we're, you. We're going there. Three of us. Oh, we're <laughs> off Yeah. Because you were saying traveling. I was like, oh, is he a Sagittarius or something? Well, I, yeah, I don't know if you were texting last week but i was hitting you up i was like oh no, you're scared about that. being a scorpio i'm like there's gonna be three of us in a room next week <laughs> so now that we've we've talked about signs we have a question here <laughs> my dad's from, a scorpio from amos he asks, how can i be courageous and face anyone without trembling or sweating how can i get that strong confidence and of course when we talk about nerves and energy and, and part of this it's due to lack of experience so the easiest way and often the hardest way to start overcoming this is to get more experience talking to people, whether it's being trembling or sweating with complete strangers on the street at Starbucks or CVS. Working through it then is a lot easier than at a job interview or on a first date, et cetera. How have you felt? Obviously, you've been bullied. You've been around some people that have been intimidating. How have you handled that building up some courage in yourself? It's actually funny that you asked because I have a method. I had a method for that. Well, A, when it comes, when the whole thing with like my past of being bullied and all that, I think to have the best point of view in life is to never view yourself as a victim. So like I've been cheated on. I've been, I've been bullied as my third country that I'm living in, but I never view myself as like poor me. That's A. But when it comes to gaining confidence, it's something that I, I worked 
on over the years. And I started to do that. I started this in high school where I started showing up to parties by myself. And it was because I was so I constantly had anxiety just talking to people. And it was a thought of like, I didn't have a safety net, which were my friends. So I would start showing up to parties by myself, not knowing who's there. And then it would force me to either talk to new people until my friends show up or like talking to my friends and talking to other people. So even events now, I show up by myself. But I've given this advice before where one thing that you have to realize is that everyone else is just as insecure as you are. So once I, I process that in my brain that everyone else is just as insecure as me, everyone else is just as self-absorbed as me. So they're not even thinking about me. They're thinking about themselves. And I take away the power from these people. And now that I know my brain, they're just, they're just as uncool as me. Nothing else matters. And that's why I can go to parties and I can just talk to people. What we're talking about mm -hmm. is developing a skill and typically it's due to a lack of experience. So whenever we're doing something for the first time, it's going to feel strange. Our nerves are going to get the best of us. We may be trembling or sweating a little bit, but like you going to those parties alone over time, now you know, oh, I can flip on the switch. I can work the room. And what do you know? The person that was intimidating <laughs> actually comes up to you and says, yeah. you're cool. Yeah. Or like, you know, sometimes have pep talk with, with yourself in the mirror. Like it's actually weird, but sometimes if I feel down, you just have to, or you write down things you like about yourself. It's incredibly uncomfortable. And it's kind of like, what the F? Like, I'm not going to do that. It's so stupid. It's actually not. And if you look at yourself in the mirror and you tell yourself things you like about yourself, it gets really uncomfortable, but it makes you feel better. Well, and then you're focusing on the right things, right? Yeah. Because our mind is so powerful. And if we are just focusing on the negative or our external feelings or even worse, what other people are thinking, yeah. then we give away all of our power. And I've, I've approached people before that were just not friendly at all. And I was like, all right, never mind. And of course, it makes me a little uncomfortable. But like, I keep going because who gives a shit? I'm going to forget about them tomorrow. Like, why would I create such a big scenario in my brain about these people? I don't care about them. And yeah, just, I mean, it does take skill and you do have to feel good about, about yourself inside. Mm -hmm. I've had days that I didn't feel good about myself. And when I go to a party, I don't want to talk to anyone because I feel small. Well, all yeah, the, that's okay. All the bad times tend to stick out because it hurts us and it puts us in a place where we don't want that to happen again. So those just stick out when the data shows that obviously more of our interactions go really well, but we just don't see them the way we remember the, the bad ones that would go. Now, this one, I'm, I'm interested to get your take on because I feel like with your profile and the fact that people were stalking you over your shoes and trying to figure out how you are and now want you in their lives as their bestie. And this uh, is a question from Simone. She asks, I often get the advice that I should get to know more people, but what does that mean exactly? And how can you tell if you truly know a person? How much and what kind of information do you need to know about them before you could say that you know someone. Now, I'm interested in your take because I do feel like, obviously with the popularity of your Instagram and, and people feeling like you know them and you've been sharing your deepest secrets with the public, they come up to you and they're like, oh, we're just naturally besties. You, you speak my language, you read my mind. How trusting are you with people in your life and how do you know when you can trust someone as a friend and that you know them and you can count on them? I've, maybe I'm jaded, but it literally takes me like, a few times to be around someone to suddenly get friendly and be like, okay, like let's hang out unless right. we click. Some people you just click with and you're like, I Absolutely. love you. And you just become friends right away. Right. 
how do you know when to trust that this person actually cares about you for the right reasons? And it seems like you've built up a bit of a radar for that. Obviously, the transactional stuff and, and the accounts. Your intuition. I mean, you can just feel it. You Like, if there's a weird feeling, you think something's off, like, you're most likely right 100% of the time. And it's, it has to do with your intuition. But also, scientifically speaking, you need five good interactions for every bad one. That's another way for you to know if you have a good um, relationship or friendship. So you have to have five good interactions. So if you're suddenly feeling this person's using you or they're doing this, that means your boundaries, you didn't, you didn't discuss your boundaries. You're unaware of where you guys stand and that's not good. So yeah, five good interactions for every bad one. If I really yeah, I don't think there's people. a scientific answer to it. I think trusting your gut, definitely. Yeah. Starting to understand that we need to be more curious about others will open the door to getting to know each other more. I think a lot of us are thinking about that meme we liked. We're in our head. We're focused on ourselves. We're not paying attention, listening, and engaged in conversation with the other person. So in general, when people start talking openly about their own insecurities, mm -hmm. you start to feel like walls come down. They're getting more oh. comfortable with you. You're getting to know someone. I think so many of us, and we laughed about this earlier with the social media generation, we're all looking at everyone's highlight reel, we're all feeling the insecurities. Your account blew up because you're vocalizing the insecurities and everyone's feeling these insecurities. But a lot of us, we go on social media and, and we feel like we're the only ones with these insecurities and feeling down on ourselves. So when I'm around someone who admits about a business struggle or admits a personal issue that they're dealing with, or maybe their relationship, they're having an issue. I'm like, okay, this person's trying to build a stronger relationship with me. They're getting vulnerable. They're being honest with me. The one thing I wanted to add there too is, we would all like to think we know somebody before jumping into a relationship with somebody. However, part of that is the vulnerability and risk that you're putting up and getting with that person, which should be even equal on for both parties to get into that relationship. You're supposed to both be wagering something vulnerability-wise. And of course, the first few times you hang out with anyone, you're not going to truly know them. Everyone's guard is up. Everyone is trying to put off a great first impression and make people like them. But as they start to be more honest, be more vulnerable, you start to feel like you know someone deeper. Yeah, I think that's really true. I feel like I've, I've like, I'll, I make friends pretty easily, to be honest. And then I'll hang out with them, usually when it's one on one. And right after that one time, I know if I'm going to be friends with them or not. Yeah. I like to think we're all just uh, sharing marketing materials now. Like, here's my social media. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Well, here's my brand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, check out my socials. Let me know what you think and then call me. Give, give me a ring. All right. Next question here is from Tamara. She asks, I'm a woman in my 20s. I used to be pretty shy, but I've gotten out of my shell since college. I've been studying and practicing confidence and charisma for a while, but still I find myself being timid in conversation when talking to dominant or demeaning personalities. For example, bosses, as well as really confident and attractive men. It's hard to talk loud enough and speak with conviction. Any advice? Well, are you trying to, are you yelling enough? Make sure to do that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Start shouting at them. That works. <laughs> um, well, it's funny. She seems adorable, but like, it's, again, it's something that some people are just more, have more of a charisma and are more charming and they're just born with it. And, or like you can learn it, but like you have to practice it. So it seems like she's like been studying it. And then she's like, why isn't it working? Cause it's not a test. It's real life. Mm -hmm. Like you have to actually feel confident to be confident. You can't just read about how to be confident. So I think she is still in the process to get there. But, um, when it comes with 
A, attractive men are the most insecure. That's like, that's one thing she has to remember. They don't know how to talk to women because they never had to talk to women their whole life. Women come to them. And so it's like she just has to, she needs to let that go because they're just as insecure. And if she just compliments their eyes or something, they'll fall in love with her okay. probably. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it comes with demeaning people, those people just suck in general. So there's no real practice to deal with those people. I think I've learned over the years that there's nothing. My dad told me before, like, you can't teach a pig new tricks or like a pig to be something else or whatever. I forgot what he said. But it's, so it's like, don't argue with that person. I think I've learned now that when someone's demeaning to me, I know in my heart that's nothing to do with me. It has to do with them because they feel small. And you just have to be quiet and try to avoid that person. Yeah. And the, the the flip side is, why are you trying to win over someone who's demeaning? Right? So Because it, she probably has daddy issues or something. <laughs> so she needs to check out the account. <laughs> but I understand. Like sometimes you just really want certain people to like you. And I've had that before when someone's kind of demeaning and I just want them to think I'm smart or whatever. And eventually I'm like, you know what? Who cares? It's not worth it. And when it comes to bosses, that part, like my sister, who's she's so... F- She's like a fire sign and she is so like forward. And yet with her bosses, she's always been fearful to to tell them how she feels about certain things. And one of my partners taught me before that stuck with me. He said that if you want something, you'll never get it unless you ask. And that always stuck with me. And it's really true. Like when I even like, for example, if you want a promotion or you want a raise, most likely because we're so in our heads, we think like, oh, I must not be doing a good job. That's why I haven't got a raise. No, it's because they're just not thinking about you at all. Because right. they're just You're focused not on the radar. Things. You have to get on the radar. And even if it's embarrassing, even if you hate it, you have to hold in those insecurities. You have to approach that person. Say what you think. If you feel uncomfortable to be verbal, email your boss to tell him what you want. And then it opens a conversation. Like I've had that with my partner in my public accounting firm where I wanted a raise. I didn't get it that day. Or I think a promotion. I didn't get it that day. But now he knew, oh, I didn't know you were interested in that. Okay, let's let's have a conversation. Let's figure out like how you can get there. One of the things we talk a lot about on the show, and it's a little difficult to demonstrate on audio, is just changing your body language and your positioning with someone who's dominant, who's demeaning, who's aggressive. So it's the difference between us directly facing each other versus us standing next to each other side by side. So if you're in a situation like we are here in studio, being on the same side of the table as someone is going to alleviate that dominant pressure and that aggression. Moving next to that person shoulder to shoulder, so you're both facing the same direction, is going to remove that tension that you're feeling. Because what she's saying is, I'm feeling timid in conversation around these certain types of people. And I would say, pay attention to your body language. What are you doing? Are you closing your arms? Are you making yourself smaller? Position yourself to be next to them, which we call neutral body language. And you'll feel a lot of that tension leave your body. And all of a sudden, you're going to find that confidence that you have in all these other areas. And the A, I 100% agree with you. And I've read before about body languages. Like even if you're leaning forward, then you're more interested and Mm -hmm. things like that. The last thing that I, I think I forgot to mention is that if you want people to like you or you feel uncomfortable and you want to ease the pressure, talk about them. The person that's demeaning you wants to hear about themselves because he thinks he's so smart. Your boss thinks he's wonderful and he's an amazing boss. Let him know how great he is. But don't give like fake, um, you know, uh, compliments, but kind of just. It's counterintuitive, but you can really disarm someone who's being aggressive or demeaning by giving them a genuine compliment. I like how 
uh, amazing you were in helping me with this project. And all of a sudden, that person who's demeaning to everyone else is going to actually be a little nicer. Exactly. To you. Like you are like, honestly, I envy how your leadership skills like it's so crazy how like good you are at this. And then they'll be like, oh. Thank you for noticing that because I've been putting everyone else down because they really just can't tell. Never noticed it. <laughs> Last question here. Ian has a question about seeking approval. I largely have become the confident-centered, attractive person I want to be after years of working on myself, but I still fall into approval-seeking and supplicative mode in the presence of authority figures or people that I subconsciously deem as high status. How do I manage and minimize this? Wow. Well, that's going to be like years of therapy. <laughs> so it's certainly comparing yourself to yourself rather than other people is certainly going to help. I think for all of us, no matter how much work we put in to ourselves and to develop ourselves and to get better, there's always going to be those moments that come out of nowhere that shock us where we're not so tough or confident as we thought we were. And it's that that moment makes us see what can be there underneath. And it's scary. However, it is for that journey of continuing to get better every day that allows those moments to be farther and farther in between. And we talk about journaling. I mean, looking at those moments that you're feeling this way and, and looking at the environment and the triggers that may be causing it. And if you see the same thing in patterns over and over again, therapy is a great way to work through this. That doesn't mean you are weak in some way. It just means you've identified an area that you want to improve in. And I think when we're when it comes to the presence of authority figures or people that we subconsciously deem as high status, obviously we have daddy issues here. It comes to a lot of how we were raised in the beginning. And those patterns are imprinted in us in childhood. And you could be confident in other areas and still have a lack of confidence in this area until you tackle the deeper issue. You know, what's so crazy. Like all the, um, all, a lot of the answers are, were, uh, the questions and the answers we're giving in my brain. Like I'm, um, like, I feel like I'm giving myself advice because there's also in my life, someone that I Absolutely. feel intimidated by for some reason. And I'm really confident. And then in my head, I'm like, yeah, remove him from his pedestal. <laughs> you know, he's just like you. Don't be timid around him. <laughs> Cause I thank like you like for joining yeah. us for these fun questions. What is up for you in 2020? I know you're getting Instagram videos removed and put back up, hopefully. What else um, are you working on? Porn, for sure. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Me and my sense of humor so daddy issues. Um, This year, well, there's my Too Tired to Be Crazy podcast. That's on every Thursday. I want to create more funny content on my personal Instagram, Violet Benson, where it's just um, fun videos for women or men, just empowering. I'm really, 2020 is more about me trying to empower and reteach re everyone how to love themselves again, because I think social media kind of ruined it for a lot of people. Sure. Um, I'm also getting into, I will be releasing one or two books this year. One will be a poem book that I've been working on. The next one is a dating advice book. And the last one is a funny sex uh, book. That's a coffee table book. That's the porn. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not in it. But it's like just funny sex. It's really hilarious. So there's the books. And then um, I'll be getting back on YouTube. And we'll see. I mean, I think I'm, I'm working on some stuff that has to do with TV that I can't talk about. So here's your challenge for this week. Use your social media to make someone's day. 
You can do that by posting a funny meme or a video, sharing one of at daddy issues, funny memes, or maybe even writing a post in which you thank someone for having a positive influence on your life. Let's make social media a more positive space for everyone this week. And let us know how that went for you. We're always excited to hear from y'all. And you can send us your thoughts by going to theartofcharm.com slash questions. You can also email us at questions at theartofcharm.com or find us at social media at The Art of Charm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you enjoyed these Q&A episodes, that's where you can send your questions for next month. Now, it was a lot of fun hearing the backstory around daddy issues. I had no idea the amount of hard work that went into running a fun meme site. Well, and once again, she worked through a lot of her own adversity to be able to do what she does. And she hid that from her peers for a very long time. And it's certainly one of the ways you can go about that. And all of us, no matter where we're from, who we are, there's going to be challenges that we're going to have to work for if we want the gold that we so valiantly fight for. I also loved that she worked through her own social anxiety by throwing herself into every event she could find alone. And now look at it. Going out in L.A., even her friends were remarking how odd it is that she's comfortable going out alone. How many of us could say that? Well, I want to say, I I believe I mentioned it on the show, but I, I want to state it again if you didn't catch that. She rolled in here by herself and sat down and was like, hey, hey guys, how you doing? I was how like, many of our guests have an entourage when they show up? Uh, so many. With our social media people, their producer, their friends. It was a lot of fun having her on and also hearing the backstory of one of my favorite meme sites. Now, if you're new to the show and you want to learn more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to our Toolbox episodes at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where you'll get the fundamentals of networking, persuasion, and influence, such as body language, eye contact, and of course, building and maintaining relationships. Yes, and our shout-out this week goes to a Twitter fan who had sent AJ and I some beautiful handmade wooden pens. And one of the things that we talk a lot about on this show is being able to journal. And what makes journaling so great is being able to be reflective, but to look forward to it, you have to sort of make it ritualistic and special. So get yourself a beautiful handmade pen from Adam Capini, Twitter at Addy, A-D-D-Y-C-O-P-P. And you can look at and view his beautiful work on Instagram at B-O-D-H-I-W-R-I-T-I-N-G. Bodie Writing. Also, could you do us and the entire Art of Charm team a big favor? Could you head on over to iTunes and rate this podcast? It would mean the world to us, and it helps new people like yourselves find the show. The Art of Charm podcast is produced by Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery and engineered by Sam Jay and Bradley Denham at Cast Media Studios in sunny downtown Hollywood. Until next week, I'm Johnny. And I'm AJ. Have a good one.